Hello there, I'm George Hall, and welcome back to the Good Growth Podcast. Back in December of 2022, I sat down with Tim Hutton, Senior Manager of Analytics Implementation at Ukes Netta Border Group. Tim's background means that he has a vast array of experience in developing and managing service delivery and implementation teams, along with creating analytics best practices in multiple organisations. We talked so much, in fact, that we've split our conversation into two parts. This episode is part one, and part two will follow in due course. Tim, it's a pleasure to have you with us today. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yourself? Good. Yeah, good, thank you. Um, keen, to, keen to get right into it with a bit of a look back at 2022 and the year that was. It was uh, by no means a normal year, but perhaps a little more precedented than the two years prior. Keen to get your thoughts on kind of what, what was the year like for econ brands, do you think, in general? Positive, negative, somewhere in between? I think somewhere in between, but closer to the positive side. Good. I think it was, as you say, still not quite normal, mm-hmm. but but perhaps more than it has been the last the last two years. Sure. And and I think brands had to had to adapt all over again because we had the last two years of adapting to everyone's at home, people can't can't necessarily go out, sure. all of these things, and you had to adapt to how do we service people in their homes. Mm-hmm. And now, now it's back to more normal. People can go out, and uh, particularly in, in retail and, and fashion, people can purchase clothes to go to weddings again, and, and all of those things. And it wasn't as simple as just great. What did everyone do in 2018, 2019 when it was normal? Because mm-hmm. everyone has taken those learnings from the last two years and, uh, and adapted that. Whether that's getting used to subscription services, um, and certain brands perhaps who did really well during those two years are now struggling because because there's less of a need similarly uh, i know you had the, the your, your chairman on here a few weeks back who said there was a massive surge at the start of the year for fashion that's yeah. then slowed down again and it, it's almost been a bit of a reset all mm-hmm. over again uh, and learning that so if anything the last two years i think have highlighted that online is more important than ever sure. and those experiences are hugely important and that can only be a good thing and I'm starting to see that in the brands and, and the apps that I use the experience is getting better and better and swifter mm-hmm. and trying to remember your preferred payment methods and, and all of these things to, to make that that process easier okay. and with it being almost every market is, is so crowded now that the experience is really important and I, I was in a really talk not long ago about um, creating a perfect purchase score there was a brand building this all the way from the cost of acquisition of how many channels do we do we touch them at before they get to the site and then the purchase itself how simple is that flow which which payment methods they use if they've used next day delivery in the past and can't now on on purchase number three all the way through then to the, the delivery itself does it arrive on time all of these things and and they were actually being KPI'd on, on that perfect purchase score sure. rather than necessarily revenue or, or transactions. And that's that was really fascinating. Yeah. And I think one that, that a lot of brands will be moving more towards. Um, I think secondly is is acquisition. I sure. it's, it's been touched on this podcast before. It's, it's getting harder than ever. And partly because of the crowded markets um, mm-hmm. and the cost, the cost to bid and whether that's keywords, ads, interests... It's, it's getting more and more expensive and the quality of targeting is getting harder. It's partly due to, to privacy regulations, which is a good thing, but also, I guess, due to certain browser and technology limitations too. And therefore, that's a real challenge and that will be, I think, going into, going into the next year. 
but it's also a really good opportunity sure. I think, to, for brands to really start to develop and use their in-house data, their in-house teams as well, using analysts and data scientists to almost take the control over those audiences rather than just, you know, okay, Meta, this person's viewed this product, yeah. go and target them. It's let's bring in-house, let's build audiences, let's do predictive modeling, and then we tell the Metas, the Googles, what audiences we want we sure. want targeting. So it will still be a huge challenge, but I think there are there are opportunities there to really take take a lot of control of how how we're marketing moving moving forward. Okay. It's interesting, you, you mentioned a few adaptations, you know, subscription services, I guess, uh, sort of the tips of everyone's mm. tongues at the moment, and a few different ways that businesses have adapted to what was, you know, it's been a challenging few years. Mm-hmm. Do you think that sets a lot of e-com retailers in a really good stead for 2023? Those growth opportunities continue, it sort of exponentially gets better? Mm. I think so, yes. Yeah, I think, again, everyone's... There's no longer just a focus on just what does a person do on the site now. Sure. It, it, is, it is definitely how do we obviously bring good quality traffic in because, mm-hmm. of, because of the cost involved. How do we, when they're here, make that experience the best it can be, whether that's driving anyone on a mobile straight to the app, whether that's... Uh, I saw a really good example of um, uh, looking at trousers and, and before you even enter a PLP, ask for your size and therefore sure. it only shows all the products yeah, yeah. in yours and maybe one size up and up and down which which I think is is really great and, and again it's just that's such a small thing but feels so personalised and, and therefore makes that experience a lot better and I think we'll see more and more of those tweaks moving forward yeah. and then, then further down the line at the, at the payment flow right? making that as straightforward as possible if someone is on an app Give them the native payment method. Sure. That is, you know, they can just put a thumb in, and they don't need to put the address. They don't need the card details. All of, all of these things, and it's, it's. I think yeah, we will see more and more brands making use of of the technologies available, and and yeah, that can only be a good thing, right? It, the the, making online better is, I think, the purpose for these all these privacy changes. Um, but, if if you can make everyone's experience online as as good as possible, then mm-hmm. that, that can only be, be a great thing for, for e-commerce moving forward. Perfect. No, it's great to hear such a big focus on customer experience. <laughs> and um, Yeah, some relatable examples in there as well. Mm. Um, looking ahead, we sort of touched on those opportunities and the way things are going to get better. What do you see as sort of the big roadblocks coming up for, for retailers? It could be analytics, could be, it could be anything else. What are the big stumbling points that you think might herald some challenges in the next 12 months? I think we've already seen some towards the back end of this year. Obviously, you know, global events are mm-hmm. having an impact on, on supply chains, sure. on, on the cost of, of shipping things. And the other side of that, everyone is being hit by, by this cost of living crisis, not just in the UK, but, but abroad, and not just at, at, at certain income levels either. I think everyone is, is definitely feeding the squeeze, and that potentially in the first half of next year, I think, will will have an impact from a retail perspective, you've got this really difficult balance of, okay, do we need to bring prices down slightly in order to sure. to, to acquire customers? But if the cost of obviously acquiring in the first place, both the customer and the product itself, or, or obviously the cost of shipping, uh, I know there's been with with all the recent, in the UK in particular, with you know, strike action, etc., that we're seeing other other delivery services up in prices mm-hmm. because, of, because of demand and that that then comes full circle of can you can you effectively target customers in a time when their wallets are a bit squeezed 
when your own prices are going up? Yeah. Do you take the, the short-term hit on profitability or, or you know, less of a profit than, than before in order to get those customers in, breed that loyalty and then hope for, hope for the best in the long run? Or do you just simply take a short-term hit and, and hope for the best in, in six, nine sure. months? And as a, as a sort of a shopper yourself, <laughs> stepping away from kind of business mm. mindset, do you think your attitude towards discounting and delivery has changed? I think so. Yeah, I think we've again going back to the learnings of the last the last mm-hmm. two years. We we were taught that things can come so easily. Yeah, right? yeah. you know you can have fresh pasta every Friday if mm-hmm. you want it. You you can have things delivered the same day. You can have you know your food shopping all brought to you. And I think that has definitely changed the mindset and, and sure. definitely changed how how I shop in terms of yes, price is still very high in the in the list of priorities the the time it will take to come as well because I wouldn't say I'm a huge shopper but when I do it's typically because I need something sure. um, and a really good example is is uh, yesterday or the day before in fact um, my phone battery has finally given up the ghost yeah, yeah. Um, we're, we're going away for Christmas at the end of the week and therefore you go right you know, uh, there's not enough of a price disparity in the phone I'm after to necessarily go for the cheapest if it's going to take if predicted delivery is the day before I'm going, sure. because if there's any delays, you know, we're in trouble. So you then, you look at, okay, it's five pounds more, it's 10 pounds more, but I can go and collect it today, or I can have it delivered tomorrow before 11 a.m. Sure. And that, I think that that is a big thing that I think has changed from my own shopping from the last, the last two years. I think that convenience of how is it going to come? Is it going to be in the right time? And is it in the right the right price as well? Cool. And then you've been at WineUp for for just over a year, I believe. Yes. Yeah. What What was twenty twenty two like specifically for WineUp? Same challenges that are in the the wider e comic space. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, luxury fashion has not not thrived in, in the last years, but has been. I think has been okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that obviously we have seen some brands struggle, and and, and sadly, you know, Jules, for example. Um, being being one of them, but for the most part, I think luxury fashion has been has been okay. Has still done well enough in that time. Again, like most, has had that surge this this summer in particular. We've we've definitely yeah, it's been a challenge. I think the customer acquisition and then driving the loyalty mm-hmm. from that. How do you, particularly with technology challenges, and if a lot of people are going to your apps, that makes that. It makes the experience better, but then potentially makes the driving loyalty a bit more difficult sure. because you can't. Yeah, Safari in particular, you know, is mm-hmm. very blocking on how long after you can target, um, and it's meaning we're having to be a lot smarter about how we use first-party data. How do we build look-like audiences? How do we? How do we not just acquire, but but yeah, drive that, drive that loyalty, and drive that personalization and. I'm really fortunate in that our team sits within growth as opposed to maybe you know, data or, or products. Sure. But, so we have the first hand of that, the acquisition side of the business and seeing the the performance, the impact, and and also being targeted ourselves on how we deliver that data in a, in a consensual and, and um, smart way to the right places at the right time to, to the right people. Um, and then the other side of that is being close to product and seeing how they take that same data and, and sure. perhaps show a completely different version of our website or app based on the acquisition channel. And that's 
again, I, we're we're definitely moving towards both at Wineapp and I think in the wider markets, no two users' experience being yes. the same, and that can make analysing a bit more difficult yeah. sometimes. But if it makes the user experience better, then then again, that that cannot be a bad thing. That's interesting. I've seen a few articles recently, sort of headlined with the Roaring Twenties, and almost a return that those who are still living at home are, you know, instead of paying sort of two months London rent, they're buying a luxury handbag instead. Mm-hmm. I guess it makes things a little bit more difficult because you know, there's, there's socioeconomically we've changed so much. Is there kind of an understanding now from brands and retailers that data is no longer just a nice to have? It's actually at the forefront an essential, mm. even more than an essential. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's and it's. I think that's going to come into its own even more sure. this year. I'm seeing more and more members-only sales or mm-hmm. sections of a website or app that you cannot view unless you sign yeah. up to, to a mailing list. And I think that's we're going to start seeing the first time you download an app being forced to sign in mm-hmm. or register so that you you are you, it can be hyper personalised. You can be really effectively targeted because. It's not about necessarily sending a hashed email over to Google to being that targeting. It's everything is being collected in house, and that data is there for you, obviously consensually, to use in the in the right way and and build those models and build those audiences. And yeah, I think the things like guest checkout potentially might start to be a thing of the past. Okay. There's the the other side of that of you make the experience better by offering Google Pay, Apple Pay. But then if there's hide my email address, for example, in, in, in iOS that, that can then impact your targeting, it's it's a real two sides of the coin of what, what do you what do you go with? But sure. uh, yeah, that, that data capture I think is is becoming more important than ever. And then how it's used as well. I think no no one is just firing out email blasts to everyone on mm-hmm. the mailing list anymore. It's it's as targeted as it can be. Again, that and that's that's a good thing, right? That that means less spam for the end user, more relevant content mm-hmm. for them, um, and ideally you can then build build that loyalty from there. Sure. And you mentioned analytics teams need to be smarter about first party data. Obviously, you head up an analytics team, and you've worked across a number of different teams, a number of different organisations. Mm-hmm. What are the big challenges on the horizon for for analytics teams? I think. Obviously, no one using Google. There's there's yep. the obvious elephant in the room of, of GA4. And I think that there are challenges of, one, the amount of data you can capture now. That is being potentially reduced, mm-hmm. dependent on, on how you how you foresee these, these privacy challenges. And again, that's not a bad thing, right? It, you know, the user should be in control of sure. their data, absolutely. And, and if they do not want to be tracked, you have to respect that, of course. And therefore, you're... Your year-on-year comparisons are getting more and more difficult, and I think at the same time the the way you analyse is is changing. It's no longer just you know, your bounce rates of twenty sixteen. Yeah. It's no longer just a session level. Mm-hmm. That that loyalty and that acquisition, yeah, a customer life cycle just to make one purchase could be four channels, fifteen sessions, and a ten pound purchase at the end of it, right? And that's that's definitely feeding into the analysis that, that we're having to do and effectively into the tracking as well of of looking at things rather than at a session level at a user level. So and that's where some elements I think of, of GA four are moving people in the right direction. User conversion rate rather than session conversion sure. rate. 
um, and therefore looking at again that level of loyalty, that level of you know not just cost per acquisition but almost cost per session as well, right? How much mm-hmm. does does driving someone across four different channels actually cost? You know, with a last click model, you've got fine. The ad costs this. They purchase this. Yeah. Great, but actually with data driven, you can then. It's still a bit black box, mm-hmm. but but arguably you can look across the whole, the whole life cycle and go actually okay th- these costs are a bit more than we originally thought, and I think that can then impact budgets in a, in a better way. Sure. I think there may be arguments across teams of well, you know they attributed more of it to, to me, yeah. um, but I think again that is going to need to drive a difference of of teams going to have to work together, mm-hmm. you know, and be be a lot more effective in how how people are targeted and how you use those different channels not just targeting people in the exact same way based on a product view um, and again if that means budgets are, are spent in a better way mm-hmm. that's good I think getting that off the ground is a big challenge definitely because that's going to be a bit difficult to quantify obviously every platform you use to target someone gives you one metric mm-hmm. your analytics platform will give you something else and it's about then working between the two to effectively look at, okay, is this the best use of our budget here? That does sound like there could be some testy conversations <laughs> in, in social media teams, I think. Um, we sort of alluded to the elephant in the room there. Obviously, for listeners of the Good Growth podcast, I'm sure they'll be aware of GA4 and Google's new iteration of analytics. Um, I'm keen to get your thoughts as someone who's on the front line, so mm. to speak. Is it a force for good? Is it a force for evil? Is it a force for change? What's your take on it? I think it's. I think it is a force for good. Okay. In the longer term. Okay. In that, clearly, it's not ready uh, as a sure. product uh, completely, and yes, I think they potentially made a few enemies with the way it was it was pushed out. Yeah. Um, for us we had to obviously include that in, in our roadmap and it has dominated that for, for web and app over the last last few months. And then obviously it then changed, they, they pushed back the, the deadline. For example, changing item parameters, mm-hmm. which, which weren't, were previously limited to 10, they've now released a change of that. So you've done your modeling of, right, we've got these 10 mandatory parameters we can use. All these ones within UA, we're just gonna have to move to an event level okay, item level's back, we can yeah. move it all back again. Um, so that's been really tricky, I think, from an implementation perspective. It is it is a lot better from a debug perspective. I, I will say it's a lot easier to use, a lot better. There's a lot more opportunity, especially on app, to, mm-hmm. to run testing in, in parallel with Firebase. And arguably putting the marketer's hat on, y- you can go, actually their rollout was very clever. If not enough okay. people are using the beta, they just force everyone with this deadline to have to use the beta yeah. and even then if 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 people are critiquing it and going it's not very good that's all feedback that they wouldn't have got previously because not enough people were were using it so arguably they have been quite clever mm-hmm. yes they have probably angered a few people yeah but more people than ever before are using it and also it's everywhere right yeah. you know you've done two episodes this series on, on GA4 yeah it seems like every month there's a new piece of content we can, we yeah. can put out but I suppose a company like Google could probably afford to annoy a few people can't they yeah exactly exactly and again it's all even those those articles critiquing it and criticising mm-hmm. are probably being being drowned in, in just how-to articles and, yeah. and people finding new things and it's 
pretty much all I'm seeing on LinkedIn is, yeah. is GA4 videos, how-tos, um, new tools that people have built sure. for it. So that's, yeah, they, they have done well on that front, I would say. And from from a usage front, I think it will be a good tool. Okay. I think it's it's been alluded to here previously that it is just going to gradually become a cleaner version of UA. Sure. And we're already seeing the landing page report that was mm-hmm. rolled out not long ago. And we'll see more of those standard reports come in. But if it if it changes the 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 model of how people analyze, going back to that user level rather than session level, that is how e commerce is, is moving. That sure. you know, people are people are having multiple sessions before purchase and therefore using just session level metrics is going to be a thing of the past, I think. And and therefore in that instance, I think J four is definitely moving in the right direction. It is forcing a lot of difficult conversations and a lot of prep work because I don't think a lot of businesses are moving straight over yet and therefore it's there's this hybrid of keep doing what you're doing in UA but please make sure you're starting to prepare for the sure. future and, and building reports that are the same and, and knowing which metrics are going to change and therefore effectively KPIing and targeting differently based on that which is is a real challenge but again long term I think mm-hmm. will will definitely be be a good thing for sure okay and it's probably something that's only being made more difficult by behavioral changes in shoppers right mm, mm. Um, but it feels like there could be a period in early to mid 2024 when a lot of businesses suddenly <laughs> yes. uh, enter mad panic stage well, that feels like a, a fairly good time to end part one there, talking, obviously, about one of Good Growth's favourite topics of the moment, GA4. Keep an eye out for the second part, in which we go into more depth on Tim's experiences in mentoring and coaching, and also his predictions for the year ahead. <laughs>